0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in the study we're doing through the New Testament, we're 212 weeks in, which brings us to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. We've spent lots of time working through this. Um, I'd like to mention why just every week, just quickly as we get started, um, it's important that we look at the Scripture in context. And what that means is we want to know what was happening before it, what's happening after it, why it was written, sort of having a feel for why it was written, and then while it's certainly applicable today, because it was, you know, written and inspired by the Holy Spirit, written through people, but inspired by the Holy Spirit, um, it's, it's applicable in context. And so we want to be careful that we're not taking bits and pieces of Scripture and making theology that fits what we want it to say or, um, you know, what we think it ought to say, but rather we're looking at it as a whole and then really trying to understand what it means and how it applies to our lives, which it certainly does. So we've worked our way through the entire New Testament. We're gonna, you know, in a year from now we'll start working through the Old Testament together. Um, and and uh, this will give us a nice uh, picture. You know, it, it's still 16 years to finish all that. But uh, by the time we're... 16 years from now, we'll be older. Some of you guys that are 18 now, 16 you will be in your mid-30s. That freaks you out, doesn't it? <laughs> For those of us in our 50s who are trying to add, you know, uh, add and 60s and 70s, but God bless it, we can do it. Okay, so... Um, so uh, uh, we, we, we worked through the Gospels so we could see what was happening with the church. and Jesus' ministry, we worked through the book of Acts so we could see what the early church did. We sprung out of there after the missionary journeys of Paul and see what Paul was up to as he planted churches all over the known world. And um, after we finished the last of his letters, we moved into the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, we're not sure who wrote Hebrews. Um, we're fairly confident it was probably one of Paul's companions. We're not sure which one. Um, for a long time, they thought it was Paul, but there's enough of a difference in the in the way it's um, presented and designed that it's probably not Paul, but it's still inspired by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't really matter. We'll find out when we get to heaven, but um, it's, it's part of the canon. It's, it's reliable and authoritative, and we can learn a lot from it. The letter to the Hebrews was written to um, Jewish believers who, after enduring persecution, were considering leaving… Um, and going back to the old way of doing things. That was ultimately the, the issue. They were they were considering just, you know, pitching it all and uh, heading back. And the entire letter that we've written, you know, the writer of Hebrews has been encouraging them why that would be disaster, why there's nothing really ever to go back to. And, and we've looked at a lot of different things, a new covenant, uh, a new priesthood, um, a, a sacrifice that finally, you know, took care of everything that needed to be taken care of in Christ, that he's the great high priest that we have now. And, um, that, that it, by what he did, we have access to God, um, you know, 24-7, something that they'd never even considered was possible. Their old way of doing things allowed access into the most holy place once a year and only by the high priest and only with blood. And, and uh, that was their only sort of access to God was through, through that direction. And now in Christ, we have this amazing opportunity that we can have access to God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, access to the most holy place, the literal presence of God. And so, he's been telling them there's, there's really nothing to go back to. And that even though life is difficult, that's not a reason to turn back. And then in Hebrews 11, he started talking about faith, and we have to live in faith, and how uh, in, in Hebrews 11, there's a list of Old Testament heroes who lived by faith and endured difficult times and seasons, and yet they, they kept pressing on, even though they didn't always see the promises that were given to them in their lifetimes. They still hung on in faith. And, and so, it, uh, Hebrews 11 was a great description of what a life of faith looked like, and, and, uh, and so the recipients of this letter, the, the, the letter to the Hebrews, um, could look at the testimony of the lives of the Old Testament states. And now in Hebrews 12, the writer's going to in tell them to fix their eyes also on Jesus um, as the ultimate example of a life of faith. That contained the suffering at the cross and yet ended up at the right hand of the Father and and so it will be another dynamic for them to look at and so the testimony of the Old Testament heroes in Hebrews 11 and of Jesus encourages us to set aside any hindrance that gets in the way of following Jesus Um, nothing that the persecuted Jewish believers were going through compared to what Jesus had done for them and that sort of sets the tone for Hebrews chapter 12 Um, It's 29 verses and uh, I will read them too. We'll begin in verse 1. I'm going to read out of the NIV. That's what's on the notes. But if you have your own translation, you can certainly read from that and, and that will be just great. But Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and following. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected, He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion If they did not escape when they refused Him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from Him who warns us from heaven? At that time His voice shook the earth, but now He has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire and blessed be the word of the Lord. So another fascinating chapter of, uh, in, in Hebrews 12 and what it looks like and uh, just just packed with, with great stuff and, and, uh, and great wisdom. You know, as it kicks off in Hebrews 12, 1 through 4, as I was saying, it's, it's talking about now the writer of Hebrews is telling... The Jewish believers, that not only do they have the testimony of the Old Testament saints and, and heroes that we just read about in Hebrews 11 and a life of faith, we now have Jesus. We can fix our eyes on Jesus, um, the author and perfecter of our faith. And um, that, that as we do that, we can, we can live by trying to do the next right thing. Because that's what following Jesus is all about. You've heard that here, but it's what this whole thing is about. It's about living by trying to do the next right thing. And I, I love those, those first few verses Uh, and Hebrews and they they just speak so powerfully I think about this life in Christ that we're supposed to have you know we have this great cloud of witnesses it says so let's get rid of all the junk that tries to keep us from from walking after Jesus and we do that by by looking to him and 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 then running this this race that he's called out for us and that each of us have been been called to persevere in this race and that I, I love the part where Jesus it says he endured the cross for the joy set before him and I know I've talked about this, but but I like to talk about it when it comes up. Again, you know that's a that's a powerful path that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. And and if you never have thought about what that what the what's going on there, what the joy set before him is, it's it's worth thinking about. See. Because um, sometimes you might think, well, what happens next when you read that, the joy set before him, is that the next thing that happens is that he's going to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. And you think, well, maybe that's the joy that's set before him, and that's, that's pretty good stuff. But, but, but here's the deal um, Jesus was already there. Um, he, he left there willingly in Philippians, you see, and took on flesh, and then lived among us, um, and then went to the cross, and he did all those things for a purpose. And the purpose was um, that when, see what was, see the the thing that was missing in the throne room was you. That's what you need to see. What was missing was you. You were missing and you couldn't get there because you you were separated by sin that couldn't be taken away. Um, You know, they had the Old Testament stuff that was kind of covering it, but it wasn't taking it away. And in order to get back into relationship with God, it had to be taken away. And so Jesus comes. He leaves perfection, is what you know, and and he comes and lives in flesh, fully God, fully man, amazing thing. And he lived this life, as sin. He did it sinlessly, and he was he modeled what life looked like. And then he went to the cross, and we, you know we just we looked at all that, and he 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 died there. He gave up his life and, and defeated death and rose again at the right hand of God. And now what can happen is because of all that, you have access to the joy that was set before him was you. He did it for you because now you can be in the throne room. Also, see that uh, that concept will change a lot of things if you if you let that resonate in you. You were the joy set before him. You were the reason that Jesus went to the cross. You did it. We sent him there because of our sin, but he did it as a joy because it was going to reconcile us back to God. Fascinating stuff, and and it's it's, it's a powerful concept that you need to to hang on to. Um, that that you were the joy set before him. So he was he was thinking about you when he went to the cross, so he could be in relationship with you. It's a powerful, powerful thing to hang on to and remember. It says so so, you know, so consider him in this life, and, and don't grow weary um, and, and lose heart um, b- because he endured amazing opposition from sinful people, uh, and 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 so will we. But and that's what these guys are experiencing. But but the writer says, but just hang on to Jesus. Just hang on, because you are the joy set before him. He's he's made a way for you into relationship with ever. There's nothing better. Yeah, I know it's tough right now, but just keep you just keep your eyes on Jesus, and you keep running the race that He called you to. Just keep persevering, because He's shown you the way. So did all these Old Testament heroes that you know about, and so and Jesus, He He just demonstrates what it looks like. And He said, Yeah, you you've been going through it, but you you haven't endured what He did for you, and so. 're and then and so we're empowered by the Holy Spirit um, to make now choices for God so that we can live by doing the next right thing, and all of it happens is we keep our eyes on Him and run this race marked out for us now in verses five through thirteen, these are some pretty interesting scriptures because depending on how you look at them, they might not seem as exciting as they really are um, because they're about discipline and and, uh, and, and um, You know, I mean, how many people when you go, yeah, discipline. It's not normal the reaction, right? But the point is, is that it demonstrates the commitment of God to us as a loving father. Because parents that love their children discipline them because they want them to live rightly and experience good life it 's not done to be mean or to keep them from from anything It like, you know, shouldn 't be done anyway, not saying that it never happens that way but but um, uh, you know the, the reality is who loves their children more um, parents who discipline correctly or parents who don 't I, I can tell you the answer parents that that check in enough and care are the ones that are loving their kids in the right way. I mean, I, I, I certainly did with with mine. Uh, I, I mean, you know, uh, I wanted them to make good decisions. And if they chose not to, they would, you know, the consequences would be whatever they would be. But there would be some, so they knew that there were consequences to making wrong decisions. And there was, you know, it was, usually went better if you made good decisions. And that's true in life, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's no perfect. I mean, even if you make good decisions, sometimes because it's a fallen world, bad things happen. But... But, but you want to make good decisions um, in order to experience life. And, and when things are going really south sometimes, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes because we, things are just really out of whack and we need to figure out how, how we can start living again, doing the next right thing. And so um, being corrected and, and disciplined, you know, even, even by God isn't pleasant, but it, it is a display of His love for us. Because he, he wants to teach us to grow, to live by doing the next right thing. Now, that doesn't mean that he's causing bad things to happen. Lots of bad things happen, fallen world, broken planet stuff. Um, but it, but, but I, I think oftentimes God will walk us through things like that so that we can learn to trust him and we can learn what we should do and, and what we shouldn't do and, and um, how that stuff works together. So, you know, there's a concept in the Bible. Most of you know this concept. Um, it's the concept of sowing and reaping. You ever heard of that? It's a Bible. You reap what you sow. Okay, and 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 a lot of people just think that that's all about money, and it, it's you know it, it may be some about that, but but it's 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 about life in a greater dynamic, and this is the the amazing mercy of God. So here's how how it works um, in in the life around us. What you know you reap what you sow. So if you're sowing foolishness you should reap consequences from that that would keep you from continuing to sow foolishness, right? That's, that's, and that's really a good, kind thing that happens that is set up that way. That's a great dynamic. Where sometimes people get in trouble, and I always I find this fascinating, is because everybody hears a mess, right? You all know that? Okay, so in our mess, um, when, when we get really smart um, in, in our mess, I mean, not in a good way, We'll, well, and because we have this understanding, sort of everybody's a mess, we'll look for someone who, who can help us in our mess because of their mess. So just listen. So, because you'll, you'll follow me soon. So, so if, I'm, if, I'm, if, if I can, what I'd like to do is, I'd like to sow foolishness But I'd really not rather reap the consequences. What I'd like to do is find someone that would reap those consequences for me because they're broken in their own way and that's what they think they ought to be doing. And so I'm sowing mess and they're reaping the consequences. And, and this is a, and this, oh, this happens all the time. And, 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 and so one person's sowing mess and, and all the consequences are hitting all the people around them because that's kind of how it's all hooked up together. And these people are a mess too. And so, and so they're just taking it on like they think that's what they're supposed to be doing. And nothing's working. So sometimes, so people will come to me sometimes in a situation where, where they're in relationship with someone. And, and it could be all, all sorts of relationships. Parents, children's, friends, um, you know, ma- marriages, all sorts of stuff. And, and they'll come to me. And, and, and so one, one person in this dynamic could I be mean, one person in a family is sowing, um, foolishness. And consequences are just moving back all over the place. But the people in relationship with them are stepping in and they're taking all the consequences. And they're all frustrated and angry because the person that's sowing the foolishness is having the time of their lives. And I've actually had situations where where families would come because someone was sowing foolishness in the family and the rest of the family was in the meeting and, and I'd be like, well, where's the one that's causing all the trouble? Well, he refused to come. So here's the deal. That's the person that's causing all the trouble, and y'all are here, and that one's not here. Yeah, that's right. What do we do? You know what I tell them? Duck. That next round of consequences that come? Duck. Yeah, but but they'll never change because you're, you're you're getting you're interfering in a biblical thing. Sowing and reaping is biblical. God God lets consequences take place sometimes because that's how we learn. Now, in the big picture, let me, let me say this. There's one huge exception, is the cross, where he stepped in and took our consequences for us. Thank you, Jesus. And if we say yes to that, he takes them. And the, the, the main consequence, which is of death, you know, for sin, he steps in the middle of that one. But all the other stuff, that's, that's often, that's kindness. That, that you can't, if you, if, you, if you do things foolishly, there should be a consequence so that you don't keep doing the same foolish thing. And, and that's, a, that's a biblical dynamic in place. And so if you're, if you're reaping what someone else is sowing in a negative way, duck. You might want to buy the tape. <laughs> of course, we don't sell them, but <laughs> think about it. So here's the deal, when it comes to overall, uh, this, this whole idea, even of discipline, how you respond to it makes all the difference. See, because you can be angry, or you can have a pity party, or you can realize that God loves you so much that he wants you to live rightly. Your, your, your reaction, your response to what happens makes all the difference in the whole process. Hebrews 12, uh, 14 through 29, I love how it ends, this is really cool, our God is a consuming fire. Do you ever think about that? That's our God is a consuming fire but here's the amazing thing see um uh the writer of Hebrews is is ultimately promising here that that God will help us to live by trying to do the next right thing. He, it's a promise. The Holy Spirit will come and will help us in the process if we'll do it. And even though it, it seems difficult, you know, sometimes it is difficult. If you look at Jesus' path, that was certainly difficult. It ended up really well, but it was really difficult, right? I mean, that was wasn't an easy journey. That whole thing that he did, you know, all the, the 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 trials and the the rejection by his friends and everybody leaving him and the beating and the and the, you know, the I mean and the the, the very act the, the horrendous nature of of crucifixion you know we we prettied up even in movies like the passion it was still prettied up from how horrific it was and and the the, the oh, was so barbaric um and Jesus endured that for us you know he could have at any time called down angels i mean he, he that could have happened he didn't he endured that for us um, so, so you know, the, the writer is saying Jesus had a difficult path. Sometimes in this life, we'll have a difficult path. Um, but, but, but what we have to understand is that consuming fire that, that God will, you know, that sears the universe ultimately end when it's, it's time to get over. Um, it just kind of warms us. It, it, we don't we don't need to be afraid of it. It's 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 uh, it's the the power of God. Um, when you're when you're moving towards him in Christ is a wonderful thing and not to be fearful. Remember the Old Testament saints, if they, when all that time when Moses was interacting with God and, and it even said Moses was terrified. They were fearful, you know, the, the people the, the people of Israel didn't even want to hear it. They 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 freaked out in the presence of God. And now because of what Jesus has done what what the what the what we have now is we don't have to be afraid anymore we can we can enter into it with, with thousands upon thousands of angels it says the whole dynamic has changed because of what Jesus did it completely changed and and that's the process and so the writer says, listen, with all the promises that are coming, and, and you've been promised in Christ uh, uh, an inheritance of an unshakable kingdom. The kingdom of God is unshakable. And yet at the end, everything's going to get shaken that can be shaken, which means that everything that you, you you've, all this is done except for the kingdom of God. And we're citizens of the kingdom. And so we need to live like citizens of the kingdom, not hanging on to all this mess. Again, these people are getting ready to bolt, but hanging on to what's coming. And, and uh, verse 28, uh, it's, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And it talks about worship, too, which is important we did that. But it says be thankful. Where have you heard that? We need to be thankful in this whole process. Again, I, I talk about it a lot, I know, but it's such a, an important dynamic in your life. Start every day by being thankful. Be thankful for five things, just five. It will change the way that you look at life. and and just in that letter alone there's there's so many things you could be thankful for that you've made you know that God's made a way for you back in Christ that even though we've messed up over and over again he's moving us in a better direction that he stepped in for the consequences that we deserved from all of our sin that he ultimately stepped into the cross and saved us from that in him Uh, but that he continues to to work in us so so we start making better choices and then he empowers us to to make good choices when we don't he forgives us and and says go and do it again and he keeps moving us along in the journey that's the, the amazing power of God in our lives And and that's the encouragement of the writer of Hebrews to the people that were thinking about turning away. There's nothing to go back to. Just remember. He's saying, look at the Old Testament heroes. They live by faith. You live by faith. You fix your eyes on Jesus. You run the race you're called to. Because that's where life is found. And that's Hebrews 12. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much for spending time with us. We appreciate you doing that. We know how valuable your time is. Um, Come by and visit whenever you get a chance. We'd love to see you. But uh, we're going to wrap it up there for today.